0: Our series is entitled, The Gospel Brings Freedom. In light of all of this freedom, we need to understand what it means to be crucified with Christ. Let's talk about that. From Valley Bible Church, here in Hercules. Hi there, and welcome to our program. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time will take us back to the book of Galatians. Our series is called The Gospel Brings Freedom. We're understanding what this freedom is, also what the gospel is. As we'll see today, this gospel involves Christ being crucified. And what that means is the subject of our time today and tomorrow. So please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: So let's take a test here. Uh, first of all, are you, okay, you there? Everybody writing? Just take out, fake it, even if you're not doing it. It just looks like you're cooperating. You'll look intelligent. Uh, just, okay, answer these two questions. Uh, now, there'll be three questions, okay? First question, just write down... A simple one-line uh, definition uh, of what justified, justified equals or means what justified. Okay, go. You got. I think you can do it within sixty seconds. Justified. What does that mean? And you can't help out your wife or anybody. Okay, what does that mean? Because you don't ever read the Bible and come to a term that you don't know what it means without looking it up, do you? I mean, you always look it up in a dictionary, right? I mean, you'd do that in any kind of literature, right? I don't hear you. Uh, Okay, so what does that mean? That word, okay, that's number one. Now, this second one is very, very important, and I, I want you to get it right. Second question, when did you die? I think if you've died, you should know when. When did you die? When did you die? And some of you, no, that'd be really mean, I will just being mean. Um, and then three, uh, when did you get resurrected? Some of you are good at dying. Maybe you've never come back to life. When were you resurrected? Or do you think I'm crazy? You may, if you don't know the concepts. When did you die? And I, um, I put this uh, title to serve what it means to be crucified with Christ. I think it's really... Uh, kind of lousy because I I landed on verse 20. It really, I would change it uh, for a how can someone be right with God? We're going to keep those three things in mind because I hope they get answered in the message. Um, Look at Galatians with me, chapter 2. Now, I want you to go back 2,000 years ago, approximately maybe, oh, maybe 45, maybe 50 A.D., around there. And uh, we're at Antioch up in Syria. And as we looked last week, uh, there's a a confrontation that Paul has with Peter that uh, he has stumbled Gentile believers because he made them feel like they weren't right with God unless they kept Jewish dietary rules. Because there was a heresy being taught in the early church, that they had to have a big council meeting in Jerusalem in Acts 15. And it went this, if you believe in Christ, that's wonderful, but it's not far enough. You're not completed. Uh, And it was being said both to Jews and to Gentiles. So we had Jewish, uh, so-called Christians, who were saying Christ is wonderful, but you must also Uh, abide by the law of Moses and all those regulations. And they imported that into the teaching to the church. Well, God had worked on Paul to tell him, that's not the way it was. You weren't back under the law. He'd shown Peter in Acts 10 and 11 that eat anything you want. uh, No longer does that matter. Jew and Gentile are not accepted before me on the basis of their diet. And uh, obeying those kind of rules. They're accepted by faith in Christ. So what we're getting in Galatians 2 is probably uh, either he's still telling Peter and this group and straightening them out, we don't know for sure, or he's laying down just the theological reasons for why he confronted them and rebuked Peter so harshly. So He's either saying this right directly to Peter. At least the Galatians know of the incident. And so he's taking this opportunity. Let me tell you the theological reasons for why I've done this. Now, let's look at verse 15. We, and still let's assume he's talking to Peter and, and Barnabas and those that are being misled and in the middle of the rebuke. He's saying this to them and of course he wants his Galatian audience to know. We who are Jews by birth. And not Gentile sinners. you got to know to say a man was a Gentile was to say he was a sinner or a dog if you were in that era of time speaking from the religious community. We know that a man is not justified by observing the law. Notice how many times he uses the word justified but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Do you think Paul is stuttering here, or has he said it three times? No one's justified by observing the law. No one's uh, justified by observing the law. One is justified by faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. Jesus Christ alone. You've got to remember that, word little, that little word alone, you must put in the equation. Because this was the battle at the Reformation with Rome. Christ was not enough. You had to add in a whole lot of other works. When you put alone, this is the battle cry. Is it Christ plus? Is it faith plus? Is it grace plus? When you put the plus sign, you're in danger of another gospel that God doesn't bless. In Christ, he says, one is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus plus... Is there any plus? We have put our faith in Christ Jesus alone that we may be justified by faith in Christ plus... Thank you, lady. You men, where are you? And not by observing the law... Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ... This is the fourth time he said justified. You see why you need to know that word? It becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker... For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ in the past with the continuing results that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I need to ask you, when did you die? The problem with many of you, you haven't died yet. you got to die before you can live again. He said, I was crucified with Christ. Were you? Well, we'll look. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Luther said, justification by faith alone is the article upon which the church stands or falls. Did you know what? This church, if we don't understand that article of the faith, we could be a cult a work system place, a place just plain social religion, if you don't understand how someone can be right with God and make that clear, you don't know how to state the gospel. The gospel is not just Jesus died, was buried, rose again. Those are historical facts. But the application of those facts is how... Can a guilty world ever come to be in a right status before God? How can that happen? The first thing he makes clear in verse 16. No one, Jew or Gentile, ever has, ever will be made right with God on the basis of observing the law of Moses. Never was there anyone ever declared right in God's sight By their keeping the law of Moses. Do you see that verse 16? A man is not just... So Peter, Barnabas, what's the insistence of them being under these kosher Jewish regulations and Leviticus 11 regulations about what you eat? It has nothing to do with our status before God anyway. I revealed that to you as a nation of people, a unique people, set among all the Gentiles, a chosen people. And I gave that to you as a national thing, but I never gave you that dietary law for salvation. It never did give you a right status with God. It took something much greater than that. And so... He's telling them no one is justified by law works before God. Now, uh, I often ask myself, why do people love works? And uh, as I was reading John Stott, he says, because it flatters them. He said in Romans 10 that Israel stumbled over God's righteousness revealed in Christ because they wanted to do their own righteousness. It was this idea. I want to earn it. Do you know anything about that spirit? I want to earn my keep. I earn everything I get. Or here's a beautiful, just a beautiful gospel statement. God helps those who help themselves. Oh, it just, it, just, it just almost sounds like the truth. Oh, baloney. How do dead men help themselves? You who were dead in sin, how did you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And I am a self-made man. I wouldn't advertise it as bad as the product is. Yeah, we're a self-made mess is what we are. We're a self-made fallen creation. We're a self-made sinner, all right. But this idea, I'm helping God out. I can invent ways to do things. And always you feel good when you earn it, don't you? I'm earning my way. And he says, wait, no one will ever have a right to standing before God on the basis of keeping any kind of rule. If I gave you 10 rules, I think if I today said, if you do these 10 things, you could be saved. Or if you put your faith in Christ, you can be saved. Natural inclination is, give me the ten things. Let me try it out. This can't be true. You can't get something for nothing. I think you're lying to me. This is free. I don't even get to earn it. He gives it to criminals as well as moms. It doesn't make sense. Over here, at least you earn it. And he's saying, no man is ever justified before God on the basis of law works. Now, oh, oh, our word justified. What does it mean? Justified is a Latin word. It's a Latin word that came from a Greek word that's simple. You get it, de uh, they, they have an adjective form. They've got a noun form. They've got a verb form. Uh, there's a long O if you want the verb dikai-o, an omega ending. So it comes from the Greek word dekaios. That's the noun. D-I-K, just abbreviate. Which means, it has various meanings, but Paul uses it in Galatians and Romans as this. The declaration of God, it's a courtroom term, so you hear language like it's forensic. Uh, some of you watch a CSI on TV, forensic evidence. It's a courtroom term in which you come before a judge, and the judge either says, guilty, thus condemned, or not guilty, we declare you right in the sight of the court. That means the judge has a certain set of standards. And it came from that original word to measure something. Dike. And it meant to just measure. Have norms. Have boundaries. And he says, you pass all the standards of the court to be declared to be right in the sight of the court. I declare you to be right. Justified means the judge passes a sentence on you. I declare you to be right. How can he ever declare you to be right? I thought we were sinners. We are through and through. All we have gone astray. Romans three fourteen counts. No one seeks God. Our mouths are filthy. Our feet are swift to shed blood. The way of peace we've not known. No one has ever sought God. And he just quotes from the Psalms. One indictment after another. So that the whole world, Jew and Gentile, may be guilty before God. But. God has revealed a righteousness that is not based on works, but a righteousness, and that word in your righteousness, a justifying, a declaring to be right, that comes through nothing other than faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what he says, watch. We can be declared righteous or justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? I come before the judge. I'm guilty of all these crimes. Now, I want to leave the court and you declare me right. How can you do this? Well, the way he does it is he had a substitute take the crime and pay for the crime. And that is the explanation for the death of the judge's son, Jesus Christ. He took the crime and he paid for it. So number one, in the eyes of the court, he forgives all the wrong we've done. But before you leave the court, he does something else. He says, now that you put faith in my son, I'm gonna so identify you with my son That in one swoop, I'm going to do something. I'm going to transfer my son's righteousness to you. I made my son to be your sin. That takes care of your guilt and grants you forgiveness. But that's just negative. I got rid of what's negative about you. But you're still naked before me unless I clothe you. So now, I'm going to impute. Now get that word. Impute. Romans 4. Put to your charge, put to your credit, a righteousness not of your own, but the righteousness of my very Son himself, so that I can say, you are righteous in the eyes of the court, for I see the righteousness of my Son to your account. That's the gospel. 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. For God made him, the Son, to be sin for us, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30, for to us Christ has become redemption, salvation, and righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. We used to sing a song here. Uh, It went this way. We have come into this place to magnify his name and worship him. We have come into this place to magnify his, place, his name and worship him. Then the second stanza: he is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. Wait, wait, wait. If he is all your righteousness, what else do you need? You think you're going to do a few little good works over here to doctor up the case? No. God declares you to be right in the court when you have put faith in his son, Jesus. The righteousness of his son is transferred to you, and God can treat you as he treats his son. Not condemned in the eyes of the court. You're right. This is what it means. To be justified by faith alone. Now, you must know the great battle that happened with uh, Martin Luther and the Roman Church was this. Uh, Luther said if anyone could have earned heaven by being a good monk, he would have. I believe he fasted around three times a week. He slept on a plywood plank that was uh, just at a a slant. Uh, He was an Augustinian monk. Uh, He went into the uh, uh, ministry because he he was struck off his horse by lightning, kind of like Paul. And in a lightning storm, was scared to death, and he prayed out to Saint Anne, if you'll spare my life, she's believed to be a saint, if you spare my life, I'll go into the ministry. Luther's father was totally upset because Luther was headed to be a lawyer. And his dad wanted to be a lawyer and take care of him in his old age. And uh, he winds up going into the Augustinian order. Well, when he gets there, uh, he becomes a university professor. And he's teaching Pauline epistles and uh, theology, Latin, you know, all of those great disciplines of that time. And uh, he began to wonder, uh, he said when he used to read Romans 1, that... uh, the gospel, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed, he said, it tortured me. That very phrase, the righteousness of God. Because what he'd understood it to mean was the righteous requirements of God. And he said, Romans 1.16 became like chains to his soul. He, he resented it. He resented it. How can I do any more? And I still feel like a dirty monk. I still feel dirty. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. And one day he was studying Romans uh, on this. And Galatians and Romans were his favorite epistles. And he read a, a commentary by Augustine in the third century that said the righteousness there is not God's righteous requirements, but the righteousness he offers in the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, For in the gospel is a righteousness from God to all who believe. Not a righteous requirement, a righteousness as a gift. I offer you the righteousness you cannot attain as a gift if you just believe the gospel. He said when that broke through to him, he said it became a stairway to paradise to him. Romans 1, 16 through 18.
0: And with that, we come to the end of our time today, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church and... We would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word.